Hello, and welcome to UX Soup, a short-form podcast that looks beyond the buzzwords to give you the latest developments impacting the user experience of personal devices and services in the home, in the car, and on the go. As always, UX Soup is presented by Strategy Analytics, a global research and consulting firm providing your clients with insights, analysis, and expertise. I'm Chris Schreiner, and I'm joined as usual by my co-host, Lisa Cooper. Hello. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about contactless payments. Paying for things with your smartphone. We'll talk about who uses it, who doesn't use it, who uses it more. The user experience of setting it up, of going into a shop and paying for it, and why don't we use it more? So for those of you that aren't as familiar, contactless payments would be something like Apple Pay or Samsung Pay, where you have a... Where you store a method of payment, a credit card, in your phone so that you could go up to the register and just grab your phone, activate the payment method without hopefully having to touch anything and go about your business. We recently did some research on contactless payments and who is using them and who is not using them. Lisa, did you want to give a little rundown of what we found? Okay, so... There were regional differences. China. China leads the way in this. Oh, yes. Chinese people, they typically, uh, they're in the forefront of using. It's used there. WeChat, Pay, Alipay. It is used all the time. I think the term is ubiquitous. Ah, yes. It's ubiquitous. The only way to pay, in fact, in a lot of places. They don't even get a choice in some places. Whereas... The US and the UK, however, no, they're not so keen on contactless payments. So in the US, people over 55 tend to lack awareness or the usefulness of the fact that there is such a thing as contactless payments. In China, older people, for sure, are much more open to technology and are using this as opposed to people in the UK and the US. Yes. And in the UK and US also, anyone typically over 45, um, they seem to lack awareness that it even exists. And as someone in that age bracket, I can understand that because I don't really see it very often in my day to day. It's not particularly ubiquitous here in the US. It's not that every shop is requiring you to use that like it is in, you know, most of them in China. So how would you hear about it? You've had years of training of using a particular method of inserting a card or swiping a card. And so it doesn't, and the machines are the same. Yeah. They look the same. It's not like there's a new machine for contactless. No, they look, it's the same one. Same thing. It still provides that same functionality. So just out of habit, because you know that it works and that you've done it before, you just automatically go for that credit card. So here's the question. Why is it then that 18 to 24 year olds are using it more? Like, where do they hear about it? Well, when you get a phone, one of the things that it does is ask you to set it up. This is true. And they don't have that history. They don't have that habit built up over Ah. years. Mm -hmm. So you think they are more open to it. And more open to it. Interesting, because younger people, though, when they go through high school, they are tutored about privacy issues when it comes to technology yeah i think this all goes to the bigger 
privacy questions that I think we've talked about before mm. having to do with, yes, everybody knows that you shouldn't put all of your data out there and you don't necessarily want everybody to know everything that you're doing, but it makes it easier for you. So you go do it anyway. Ah, uh, But does it? Because contactless payments in the US, you have to touch the machine anyway to give a tip. And or, you have to sign. Yeah, or to sign. <laughs> to sign. So it's not contactless. No. So And you have to still fumble around in your bag or whatever, wherever you're keeping your phone, just like you would in a wallet to get your credit card. Is it any easier, really? It's. It certainly takes away a lot of its usefulness. Yes, it Having does. to do those steps and still touch the machine. You know, that experience, though, when you don't have to, of just putting your phone up and holding the fingerprint down and having the payment go through and then walk away is it's a nice experience. But you but still have to open the app. You still have to go in and open something. It's not like you can just go wave your phone. You have to open an app or perform some swipe maneuver. Oh, yeah. To, some sort to bring of it up. Yeah. yeah there, is so there is an something, action. There is an action that you have mm-hmm. to do. Yes. Whereas with a credit card, you stick it in. <laughs> well, you have to get the wallet out. And you have to open the wallet. Then you got to decide which credit card and pull it out and it gets stuck next to the... Where do you keep your credit cards? (laughs) I mean, I don't carry my phone in my hand everywhere. I'm sure that people do have their phone in their hand. But much like my wallet, I will have it in a bag or in a pocket or something like that. And as I understand it, in China it's much easier to access these, uh, the contactless payment app. Yeah, I mean, it is well integrated into everything that they do. So if you have WeChat Pay or Alipay, it's integrated into the apps on their phone. Anytime they go to purchase something, it's just the easiest, most obvious solution. And a lot of them, like we said, a lot of times the only solution. But we saw that even the older age groups in China, and older age groups obviously typically adopt technology a lot less than younger people. It's a little slower. But even the older age groups in China use contactless payments more than any age group in the UK or US. They used it yes. more than 18 to 24-year-olds. Yes. Interesting finding, isn't it? I think part of that, again, is cultural and part of that is infrastructure where they're more open to do to adopting technology for those things. And it was just built out so fast and it is in everything that there really isn't a lot of choice. Do Chinese uh, consumers have these same privacy concerns? Or I'm no. guessing they do. Well, <laughs> and the thing is, they don't necessarily have the option anyway. Right. They want the, to buy something, the, they have to use. The concept of privacy is different mm-hmm. over there. I think there are some more nuanced issues with privacy with consumers in the West that might keep them from using contactless payments. So, for instance, we've talked to consumers that haven't adopted it. They're confident that it's secure, Mm -hmm. and they see the benefit of how easy it can be to use, but they don't want Samsung or Apple or Google to know everything that they've purchased. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's okay if they have their bank account info or their card info because they've paid for things through that before. But using these payments, those companies then know what you bought at the grocery store, 
<laughs> or which grocery store you went to and how much, and know everything about your spending habits. And it's that kind of information that I think rankles some people. But the privacy does element. it though, because people get a rewards card or something like that at their local grocery shop. So they tra- their purchases are tracked just by other businesses. So well, it's, it's can... tracked by that business. Yes. My grocery store knows what I buy at that grocery store. Yes. But my grocery store doesn't know what, what I bought off of every, Amazon. Everywhere, correct. Yeah. And I think it's that part that Apple, Samsung, Google know everything that you bought mm. using contactless payment. For me, I don't particularly want my bank information on my phone. For me, it's not about tracking. It's about banking information what is the concern that your phone will be stolen or that there'll be a data breach of data breach it's just another point of entry Hmm. so we also um did research on digital wallets which for those who don't know is is one step further than contactless payments that's where you keep tickets and your id your driving license information Additional information you would keep in a regular wallet, you'd keep in a digital format. Right. And not only that, but a lot of companies are coming up with their own credit cards. Like Apple has their own credit card, the Apple card that you can store in your digital wallet. Mm -hmm. So we're having some non-traditional credit card companies provide cards to consumers now. Yeah, Apple and and Verizon. And trying to get them to, to sign up for those. So we looked a bit about what what is important to a consumer in those cases. And, and what we see in some of them is that they're offering things like absolutely no fees. So yeah. no late fees, which mm-hmm. is appealing to consumers. No annual fees, which is also appealing to consumers while still providing those points because a lot of credit cards that reward people with points, an airline card or a hotel card, those tend to have some kind of annual fee associated with them. So providing what's like a free card where you're still getting a bonus and all these incentives. Yeah. Those incentives. And as I understand the Apple credit card also does not sell to third parties. They don't sell the data to third parties. So anyone who had concerns and privacy would, would enjoy that part too. It's only, it's only if you're okay with Apple knowing everything. That's right. <laughs> you, you have to trust Apple. So when um, we looked at the prioritization of features. Um, in the UK, online purchases was something that was the most prioritized feature of a digital wallet. So being able to purchase things online. Yeah, the it was yeah, just a lot easier yeah. to do that. But when you looked at the US and UK, the same t- same four features came out on top in terms of what people prioritize. So online purchases, contactless payments at a store, paying bills, um, or storing credit card information were the main features that, that they wanted. China, uh, they their priority, though, was on storing funds in their wallet. Funds. So using it more like a bank. Yeah, storing funds in their wallet. Yeah, that's one of the other features that we'll expect to see more of in the coming years is having your smartphone be more like a bank account. And that's another concept that over in China, I think they're embracing much more than consumers in the West are going to. It's going to take a while for us to come around to think of yeah. our smartphone as a bank account. I mean, At least those in the older age brackets. Right. And the, uh, America was slow to adopt the chip and pin with the credit cards. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, 
that was in the UK for a very long time before yeah. the US adopted that. It, I imagine that's something to do with just the, the size of the country and the, the various nuances of having multiple states and multiple authorities mm -hmm. in charge of all of that. Mm -hmm. So what do you think would get people in the West to use contactless payments more? Well, you either only give them that option, which in America would not go down well <laughs> because Americans do prioritize their freedom of choice. Otherwise, I, the incentive side of it could really help if there were incentives that were offered to them. If there was more integration, learning from China and how the successes in China, how they are better at integrating contactless payment into their daily tasks on yeah. the smartphone. I think that would be key. There's a, a real lack of integration when you look at what's going on over there. In the West, there's really little integration of contactless payments in these things. And yeah. that, that has to change. And also educating older people about what it is, what it can do, how it can benefit them, incentivizing it. You know, there's, there's other ways of getting the word out yeah. to them. That's a real challenge because like we mentioned before, I mean, you grab your card out of the wallet, you put it in, you're done. It works. It works. It always works. Why fix what isn't Why broken? Why fix what isn't broken to save maybe five seconds? And especially in the U.S. where, again, you still have to add a tip or you still have to sign for something. Yes. You're really not saving yourself very much by doing this. Do so away it's, with it's, tips. That's what real, we should do. <laughs> just add it into the cost of Yes. This. <laughs> just do a flat 20% addition. <laughs> but, yeah, that that's a real barrier because it's not adding a lot of value then. It's mm -hmm. saving off half a step while dealing with all these other privacy issues and and connectivity issues because there have been right. times where no wireless connectivity works 100 percent of the time i've had to tap my phone three or four times and sometimes had to revert back to a physical card because of that which then just made the whole process much longer yes. and puts you off doing it again absolutely <laughs> so i think it's time for condensed soup woohoo so on today's Condensed Soup, we'll talk about our best or worst contactless payment experience. I haven't used it. You haven't used it? I haven't used contactless payment, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed Never. to say. No, when, it, when I got my new phone and it asked me to set that up, I always skip through it. It's not mandatory on the phone. That's another way you could make it. <laughs> but people like choice, of course. You want to be able to... Did you, you not set it up because you were just wanting to get the phone set up or which i also think what a lot of people they don't want to go through all these steps you like to personalize your experience of your phone and i did not want it to be my wallet my digital wallet i i understand that that's the way things are going but i it's perfectly fine for me to grab a credit card and put that in the slot <laughs> <laughs> i i don't need to fumble around for my phone and then do what's necessary to get into that app and so on and so forth. The other reason that people over 45 may not use something like that app is because they can't see. <laughs> so for me, for example, I have my contact lenses for, for distance, but I have a hard time seeing a small screen because mm -hmm. uh, you get to that age where... Dist know, <laughs> the distance that age. and the close is more difficult. Where you, I'm lifting my you glasses up. You have to lift your glasses up, to, up to see the close up. So for me, doing 
things of importance like that on my little phone isn't something I want to do because I have a hard time seeing it. Now, I can zoom into it, yes, but that also takes away from the experience because then I cannot see the whole. All right, it's another thing you have to do. Suppose it's I fall into the, the stereotype, I like what worked before. It's not a big deal for me to have something on a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not a big deal, whereas my phone may not get the signal. Or it, the battery might die. I, I'm fumbling around for it, especially when you're in an airport queue and you have to have... You know your passport ready, and you have to have all you your all your driver's crowd license. The big, falling in on you to try and get on the plane. I don't want another thing to hold. I mean, mm -hmm. I, not. I mean, phones. Yeah, you're, you're already holding your bags. I'm already holding lots of things, and phones are awkward to hold as it is. I'm. I just. I'm fine with don't a piece of paper. It. I'm sorry. Well, it, boring. No, but I mean, you want what works 100 percent of the time, and sometimes that's not a tech solution. Yes. So for me, I'd rather just. Here you go. Scan it. Thank you. <laughs> and then walk on. Not fumble, fumble, fumble. Yep. How about you? So for me, it was a couple of months before the pandemic. It was, I think, my last trip to China. And I showed up for a client meeting. And in China, you always show up early because you never know what traffic's going to be like. So we had a good 30 minutes to kill. And if I've got 30 minutes to kill on a trip in China at 9 a.m., I need a cup of coffee. The lobby of this place had a nice little coffee shop. So I, I went to get myself a cup of coffee. Now, this was the first time that I was not given an option to pay by a card oh. or to pay with cash. Not knowing this, I went up, I ordered the coffee, they made the coffee. Wanted payment, and I have tried to set up payment through an app, but because it's a U.S. bank account, I'm in China, using a Chinese, it just doesn't really work well. So I tried to give them a card, and they kind of laughed at me. Our salesperson uh, was there with me, and so she... I hope she paid. Well, she went to pay, but because what she had to do, she had to scan a QR code and tried to use... I forget, WeChat or Alipay. Uh, but that QR code required her to download another app for the coffee shop. Oh, no. <laughs> so now she's downloading an app, and now, oh, she's got to register. Oh, and no. Sign and I'm just feeling so guilty because all I wanted was a little a cup, cup of coffee that I was probably only going to drink half of before the meeting started just to give me something to do. And it was a 15-minute exchange of trying to download and register in order to pay for what was like a two dollar cup of coffee crappy cup of coffee it wasn't even a nice it was one. not even a nice cup it wasn't of even a macchiato no, no. no and there was no muffin that went along with it so well now that's terrible it was yeah it, it was funny i can laugh at it now but at the time I, I did feel pretty bad you've healed yes all right so if you'd like to chat more about contactless payments digital wallets or anything else, you can email us, as always, at uxsoup at strategyanalytics.com. The show notes on our podcast website, which is ux-soup.com, has links to our recent research on contactless payments. And you can also connect with us there on LinkedIn. A reminder that, as always, UXSoup is sponsored by Strategy Analytics. 
Check out the latest user-focused insights in mobile, automotive, and the smart home by visiting strategyanalytics.com. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now.